0: We are, uh, like I said, we're in the middle of a series on the book of James, and so if you want to go ahead and cheat a little bit, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. We'll be there for a minute. Last week, Justin, our lead teaching pastor, got it started and walked us through what it means to walk through trials. Those are situations where, you know, we are going to go through them. If we're breathing, if we're a human being, we're going to walk through a trial, and they're not fun, they're not easy, but they always lead to something. If we really have proper perspective, they lead us to becoming better. James shares that it develops our endurance or our perseverance. It develops our maturity. It develops our our confidence. It develops our relationship with the Lord. Trials are not things that, that God originated. They didn't start with him, but he's allowing them to happen because he knows that if we will keep our eyes on him, that we will stand that trial, we will finish it with flying colors, and we will be better for having walked through it. And so as James writes his letter, he's going he's to change gears a little bit, starting in verse 13 is where we're going to pick up in just a second. But he's going to shift gears to go from the trials to the temptations. And as we begin to look at some of the temptations that we face, we can't really say that they are the same things as trials. We can't say that the trials, the, the temptations that I face on a daily basis, the need for that extra piece of pie at the buffet table, that, 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 that beer, that, that movie that I shouldn't watch, that video game, that, that sports team that I love to worship, Babylon B, you really cut us deep this week. Uh, we we got to avoid temptations, but we can't say that they're trials that I walk through because God doesn't allow us to go through those things because he created them we created them. God can walk us out of them, but we have to turn our eyes to him. So as we begin our look at James, we're going to start in verse 13 because I want you to see something. Verses 13, 14, and 15, there's basically a a line in the sand that is drawn, and on one side, 13, 14, and 15, these are the things that I'm doing. These are the temptations that, that I'm trying to create, the desires of my heart that I'm trying to pull away and get what I want. Verse 16 is a transition transition verse where God says, or James says, don't be deceived, though. It's it's cute that you have things that you want, but don't be deceived. There are things that God is choosing for you, and you need to choose what God is choosing for you. And so 17 and 18 is God over here saying, hey, I've got good gifts. I've got perfect gifts coming from a God that does not change, coming from a source that does not shift in the sand. And we want to look at this tension because if we will take our eyes off the temptations that we create, And put our eyes on the things that God is giving to us, that God chooses for us. We really will walk out of this place better. We'll understand that God is doing things in our life that is really going to help us, not to hurt us. We're going to understand that God is allowing things to happen in our life. But if we will put our eyes on him, there's always victory. There's always victory. So let's begin in verse 13 in chapter 1. James says this in the New International Version. He says, But when I was tempted, when I'm tempted, no one's ashamed. God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each of us is tempted when we are dragged away by our own desires and enticed. And then after that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from, from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. For he chose to give us birth through his word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all he created. So let's pause and just ask a question. When when you walk through a temptation, something that you maybe gave into, and you knew it was wrong to begin with, but you're here you are, you've given into it. Do you ever stop and go, How did I get here? You ever just sit there and go, man, I don't know how in the world I just did that when I knew that that was wrong. And many times we'll do that, but then we'll follow it up with, why did God allow that to happen? Why did God let me do that? Why did God choose that? Why did God originate that? Why did God, it's not God. James is very clear here in verse 13. He says, you can't say that that is God because it does not originate with God. It doesn't matter if we're talking about 3 to 12, verses 3 through 12, or we're talking about 13 and 15. We have to deal with things in the way that God chooses, not ourselves. We have to deal with things in the way that God is going to lead us to something prosper, not do the things that are going to tear us and put us into a hole. We've got to face facts and we've got to own the situation going, These are, this is my life. These are the choices that I'm making. This is the situation that I find myself in. And I now have choices. Either I can do it my own way or I can give in to the ways that God has for me and then see what happens. But I have those choices to make. See, the trials and situations that we walk through, some short, some long, God is with us. But we have to remember that God is right there ready to help Starting with verse 13, James says that the temptations are different because they're things that we chose. They're desires that came out of our hearts. God is still right there, but we have to want God's voice. We have to want what God wants more than I want what I want. And that in itself is a temptation that I have to fight on a daily basis. These temptations are things that draw us away. And let me just tell you something. These temptations are not always bad things there are some that are socially acceptable. Nobody in the world is going to guilt you if you have another piece of pie. It looks good. It tastes good. God loves sugar. But we have to remind ourselves that just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's always beneficial. There are many things that we would point out that are socially unacceptable. We could make us a list, but then we'd fight on that list. And we don't need to point the finger going, well, as long as that's, more wor- that, that's worse than what I'm tempted with, and I'm okay. No, a temptation, great or small, is still a temptation, and it is drawing you away. It is pulling you away from what God has for you. And we have got to make a, kind of a, a, just a declaration. We've got to kind of put a, a stake in the sand saying, I will no longer be driven by my temptations, but only by the grace, the love, and the mercy of God. I will no longer want what I want, but I will only want the things that God wants for me. And when we do that and we see that and we're willing to do that, then we'll realize, hey, God is going to lead us to things that are even greater. Last week we talked about holiness and happiness and are they, are they the same thing? And I'm telling you right now, I think if we ascribe to God's holiness, you will be happier than you've ever been in your entire life. You will find things that you're like, there's no way that's going to satisfy me. But when it's God-driven and God-orchestrated, it will cause greater fulfillment, greater satisfaction, and greater happiness than you've ever experienced before because it came from God. And we only need the things that originate from God. This isn't new. If you go back to the Bible, go all the way back to Genesis 3, what are you going to see? Temptation. You're going to see Eve walking through the garden, her husband right behind her. Guys never, ever read that Bible like Eve is on her own. Adam and Eve are walking through the garden. Eve happens to be at a step or two in front of her. She sees the tree of life. It is good, it is pleasing. She is tempted. She hears the serpent saying, "Hey, look, what did God really say?" And she gives in to this temptation it becomes, and all of a sudden, before she knew it, she is, don't touch." And Adam is right there next to her, and all of a sudden he's eating it because she was like, Well, you know, anything we're doing, let's do it together. He's eating it. But then this happens where we fall our, in ourselves the same way. We begin to blame shift. When you're tempted, do you ever find it easy to blame somebody else? Well, you know, if she didn't make that pie, I wouldn't have had another piece. And if she didn't make like three pies, I certainly wouldn't have had four pieces. You know, if he didn't have that fridge fully stocked, I wouldn't have been tempted. If that thing, if that wallet wasn't right there, if that, if that movie wasn't right there, I wouldn't have gone on there and just started buying stuff online. If this wasn't there, you start blame shifting, like as long as somebody else is to blame for my problem, I'm okay. But the temptation didn't start with the other person, it started with you. We have got to own and we've got to, to really fight and we've got to become accountable, something that we don't like that word. Don't raise your hand, but think about it if you need to like, gently nod or maybe speak behind your mask. Do you like the word accountability? No, you do not. Because you don't like getting called out. There's not a soul in this room that likes that. But you need it, and you want it. And we have got to become accountable saying, look, I've got to own the responsibility. No one else made me choose this. Adam is looking at God, and God is saying, why did we find ourselves in this predicament? Adam goes, well, that woman you put with me that's her problem. I was doing fine. I was walking through the garden. God, there was no problem inside. All of a sudden, she hands me fruit, says, here, eat. It's her fault. No, Adam, it's your fault because you should have been a step in front of her saying, this is not the tree that we're supposed to eat from. There should be no deception that ever comes in her mind because you were supposed to lead her. And Eve is like, hey, look, you know, it's that snake up there. That snake said it was good, and so I ate it. If you listen to a snake, there's a different problem that you have. That's just good life lesson no matter what. Those snakes can look like anything and anybody at any time. Don't listen to snakes. There's your not point, but it's in the sermon there. (laughs) But we can't keep blame shifting. We can't keep saying it's somebody else's problem. It's your problem. It's his problem. It's my political party's problem. It's that problem. It's my sports team's problem because they can't get enough good people. It's their problem because they just don't understand me. It's their problem because they don't do all the things that I think is right. Quit blame shifting. The temptation started with you. You made the choice. And that's what James is saying. Don't blame anybody, and especially don't blame God. The three temptations we face, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, lust of our pride. You can take every temptation. You can take everything that you possibly can see. And those are the three categories that your temptations will probably fall into. Lust of the flesh, the things that'll make me feel better, the things that I know will just make me look better, the things that'll give me my countenance and my just confidence. Those are the things, anything that'll just make me feel better. Lust of the eyes, anything that takes you off the vision that God has set. God is straightforward, and you're like, oh, hey, God, I'm gonna go right over here. Oh, man, that, this is the path. Oh, but this path looks really fun. Anything that takes you off the path that God has designed for you is lust of the eyes. There are many ways that that can happen. It can happen on a computer screen. It can happen at the office. It can happen in the neighborhood. It can happen in the grocery store. And don't think we're just talking about the sexual temptations. Lust of the eyes. Anything appealing. It makes all of us kind of rednecks that way. Anything shiny. Something shiny, all of a sudden we're looking at it. Temptation of the eyes. Lust of the pride. What are the things that lead me higher, that make me feel a little better, walk a little higher? Control. I'm in control. Justin said it last week, and I want to make sure you hear it. Do you realize one of the problems we face in in the United States is we live in a democratic society? you're like, why is that a problem? Because you have always known that you get a say. Spiritually, we live in a monarchy. And the king tells us what we should do and how we should do it. And you don't like that because you get a say. The temptation of pride is, I want to get away from the spiritual monarchy and I want to live in a spiritual democracy. That's not, how God, that's not how God orchestrated that. And let me just ask you a personal question, and please don't raise your hand, and please don't shout any answers out. But when you lived in a spiritual democracy, how's that working out for you? Are you 100% perfect when you got to say? I'm not either. It's time I followed in and submitted to the monarchy, the true king that wants the best for me. That while things on the left or things on the right may be tempting and may be pleasing to the eye or pleasing to the flesh or may puff me up in my pride and my ego, I want what's straight ahead. I want whatever's straight through the cross of Jesus Christ because on the other side of that cross lives eternity with God. And I promise you, everything else you can possibly have on this earth is paled in comparison to what God has behind that cross. I need the cross and I need what's behind it more than I need anything else this world has to offer. I have to remember two things and I want you to write this down. It's not gonna be on your screen but I need you to remember two things that I feel are very important to put in right here. Number one is there is a war for your soul. There is a daily war that happens for your soul. Do not give in to temptation because you're just making it easier for Satan to pull you out of the goodness of God. You're just making it easier for him to pull you out of the grace that God has so readily available for you. Don't give in to the other team and make it easy for them to defeat you. And the best battles are won when the best armies fight together. Not the biggest armies, not the ones with the most weaponry, not the ones that always have the high ground, but the ones that are in sync and unified and together have one cause, one vision, one direction, and in our case, spiritually dedicated and submitted to God. You have brothers and sisters that are sitting in this room, that are sitting in their homes, that are sitting in your life groups on the other side of a Zoom chat, that are in your coworkers, they're, they're, they're in your, their neighborhoods. They are with you, and they are willing to fight for you, but you have to realize that the temptations that you fight, don't fight them alone. There is a war for your soul, and you don't have to fight by yourself. And the second thing is what I said earlier. Temptations are all shapes and sizes, You need somebody with you to fight with you because they need to be able to point out the temptations that sometimes we don't see. I was listening to Emmanuel Acho. Anybody know Emmanuel Acho, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man? Anybody been watching those on YouTube? It is my favorite channel on YouTube right now, and the content is great. A couple weeks ago, I say all that to tell you, he had a conversation with Carl Lentz, who's a pastor in New York. And they were talking about racism and racism within the church, and that's a conversation for another time, but I'm so glad our church is having that conversation in different ways, in different circles. And there's more to it than I'm going to have it here in just this moment. But Carl Lentz said a statement that I feel like pertains here. Carl said in, the, in, in racism, when he th- specifically thinks about it, years ago, he would have told you that he is not a racist and has no racist tendencies. But now with everything going on, instead of just blindly saying, I don't have a problem, Carl Lentz is now over here on the side of going, let me ask if I do have a problem. God, is there anything in me that may not be right that I don't see? And so in light of to the temptations, do not come over here into this world over here and say, oh, there's no temptations, I'm fine. Look at this smile on my face when I got out of the car this Sunday morning. Oh, so, God is good. God is good. Slam the door on the way home. Oh, man, you guys are terrible. Don't fight the temptations. Don't fight them and act like they don't happen. You need to embrace them and go seek help. This is a temptation in my life. I've got to own it, and I need somebody to come and point them out to me because sometimes I don't see it. You know, we were joking, but conviction is like, hey, we don't miss a piece of pie, and as you can tell, I have not missed a piece of pie in a very long time, (laughs) nor do I miss chocolate chip cookies or Coke Zero or peanut butter M&M's. And the list goes on. So I'm not standing up here like I've got it perfect. I'm telling you what's conviction for me is conviction for you. It's happening at the same time. We've got to fight the temptations. So let's go back. I want to present two choices. The first choice is in 13 through 15. It's your choice. These are the choices that you make. Okay, so follow on the screen with me because I want you to see it very clearly. You choose the things that are in your life. These are the evil desires that you are just, man, they're just around. They're festering. They're here. But Scripture tells us that if you don't do anything with those evil desires, they conceive and give birth to sin. So an evil desire by itself is not necessarily going to hurt you unless you don't do anything with it and you don't get back up and then all of a sudden it gets conceived and goes into sin. And then once it's conceived and it's in sin and it's here and it's now, James says it then gives all the way to death. So you go from the evil desire in my heart, conceive it into sin, and then you do something about it. Now you're leading to death, which we know is eternal separation from God. So let me say that again, and hopefully simpler and clearer. The evil desires that rest in your human heart. If you're breathing, you have an evil desire in your heart. It's called sin. It's, it's festering in there, and it's there. You have it. It could be in traffic. It could be anywhere. Evil desires of your sin, when you don't do anything about it, And you want whatever is birthed in that heart, that moment, then you conceive sin. And sin will go all the way to death if you still don't do anything about it. And you will be eternally separated from God. Does that sound like something you want? I don't want it either. But that is the temptation that we fight. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it, that's not going to hurt anybody. One more. It's, you deserve it. It's been a long week. You had five and a half months inside the house with your kids. You do whatever. You you do you. That no. You're fine. She doesn't respect you. He doesn't respect you. You go. That's fine. That's you do that. You do you. And the next thing you know, you're sitting over here in the corner going, "How did I get here? Why did God let? Me? God didn't do anything. You just took your eyes off Him." But then we get to verse 16. Verse 16 is probably one of the, the best passages. It's a transition verse, and it says this, but don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. If there's anything, if you got a little circle, just, just put a little star, a circle by it, because 13, 14, 15, like, man, there is no hope. 16, but don't be deceived, because James is saying there's another side of this coin. And I'm all about the other side of the coin in a scenario like this, aren't you? James picks up in verse 17. He says, But every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from a Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose, you might want to underline that, He chose, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. The first choice is yours, the things that you choose that lead to death. But come over here on this side. Now it's his choice. His choice gives you the word of truth. What is the word of truth? There are a couple ways to look at it. One is the Bible. It's like the owner's manual to your life. You can read that thing cover to cover 100,000 times. You will get 200,000 different things that just teach you. You just keep reading the Bible because everything that you, every investment that you make, God's word will not return void. So you keep reading and you keep searching for that truth that you're looking for. Because in there, the second word of that word of truth is Jesus Christ. You begin to read the Bible, you begin to study the scriptures, you begin to ask, okay, there's a different way of life. What is it that the Bible is telling me? The Bible is trying to show you Jesus Christ. And we know, those of us that have, that have given our lives and our hearts to Jesus, we know. That where temptation and sin lead to death, word of truth and Jesus lead to life. The things that I'm investing in spiritually do not return void and they do not let me down. They actually lead me into eternity where it's pleasing and it's helpful. Another way to look at it is everything over here, I'm trying to fix me with the external. I'm trying to fix the things of my life, I'm trying to fix my problems, I'm trying to face the temptations by external means. I'm going to add to it, and I'm going to add to it, and I'm going to add to it. It doesn't matter how much duct tape you add to a project, it's not going to be what? It's not going to be right. And if you're trying to add the spiritual duct tape to your life, it is not going to work. You have an external situation that you're trying to solve an internal, eternal problem. And no matter what you try externally, whether it's substances, or it's stuff on the internet, or it's even... Religious practices, hear me clearly, religious practices, not religious relationship, religious practices, anything you are trying externally will lead you to death, but over here, if I will submit and I will learn and I will grow in the word of truth, then I will find Jesus, and when I find Jesus, I will find life and I will find forgiveness and I will find mercy and I will find satisfaction and fulfillment and everything that I'm longing for, I will find in Jesus Christ. But the thing I will find is eternal life. Anybody, just, just think about this. And I would like a show of hands. Would anybody like to feel valued? you like to feel valued at your company, in your home, in your neighborhood? Would you raise your hand? Everybody needs to raise your hand. Over here, let's talk about value. External desires, lead to sin, sense of death. You are an afterthought. If you give in to all the things, all the temptations, and all the sin, you are an afterthought and have zero value. That extra piece of pie or that temptation that you're facing, you guess what? are going to have no value. Because does that piece of pie last? No. Does that temptation last? No. You are investing in things that have zero value. Come over here with me. I feel like I'm going to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. The word of truth, finding Jesus, finding life that I need, the fulfillment, not only gives me eternal life, but what what does scripture say? It makes me so I am like a first fruit of creation. So over here, I went from being nothing to when my life is in Jesus Christ, I'm like a first fruit of creation. That means you have more value than anything this world can offer. Because you are in the wheelhouse, you are in the heart, you are in the hands, you are in the hold of God Almighty. And I don't know about you, but as I've been reading this going, I feel like an afterthought a lot, but man, over here, if I'm the first fruit of all creation, that sounds like what I'm looking for. That sounds what I need. And that sounds like what I need to do. So that's what we need to do. We need to give in to His choice, His truth, His Jesus. We need to stop trying to repair the eternal with the external and just give in to Jesus. We need to submit and allow Him to give us that freedom, that salvation, that hope. And where does this begin? Through Jesus Christ. So, what does that mean for us? What is necessary for me to experience a life in a situation where I can look back and I don't have to worry about temptation? And even when I do face temptation, I'm not scared because I know God is going to be right there pulling me out. What do I have to do? Number one is you have got to give Jesus your heart and let him become the Lord of your life. You need to stop investing in things that will make you an afterthought and start investing in things that are going to make you the first fruits of all creation. You need to submit to Jesus Christ and give him everything you got. You need to allow him to teach you. You need to allow him to rebuke you. You need to allow him to love you. You need to allow him to give you that second chance. You need to stop with the external and start with the eternal, and that is Jesus Christ. You have got to do it right now. There's no tomorrow on this decision. You've got to do it. That's how serious this is. I don't want to be an afterthought, and I don't want you to be one. I want you to be the first fruit of to creation. Second thing, and really probably the most important thing, is you have got to be, and make this note somehow, someway in your notes, you have got to become dependent on God daily. And if anything, I would put in all caps, daily. For me not to have to face temptation in such a way that it's a guaranteed loss is to be dependent on God where it's a guaranteed win, that I'm going to fight it, I'm going to beat it, and I'm not going to have to worry about it. Because at some point in that process, some point in that growth, that temptation is going to become something that you don't even have to worry about anymore because God has given you victory over that. God has given you victory over whatever that temptation is because he doesn't want you to go back every day. He wants you to stop going at all. And he will give you victory. So as we begin to do our reflection time, Band's going to come here in just a few moments. The question is, what do you need to surrender to him today? What do you need to surrender to God? Do you need to surrender your heart? Do you need to surrender your temptation? Do you need to just surrender your will? Maybe you've given God your heart months ago, years ago, but you have not given up your will. Stop trying to do it your way, and let's do it God's way, and we will find victory. Second question I would ask you is, what can you not beat? That is a hook, or it's the bait every time. You need to bring somebody else in and say, who can I bring in to help me with this? One of the best things, and those of you that have been around the fellowship for a while, you know I've said it many times. Your sin, your situation can become someone else's salvation story. How, because you tell them how God has brought you out of your sin and your situation and it leads to their salvation. Start telling your story. But then if you know that you have a temptation and somebody else you know or you you find out that they're facing the same temptation, offer friendship, offer brother or sisterhood. And say, let me come alongside you and help you. Here's my phone number, here's my email address, here's my social media accounts, here's whatever you need, but you contact me. Because when you the hook is set, I wanna be the one that grabs that hook and just tears it apart and never lets you deal with it. I'll come alongside you. And then the last question is one that I would ask you, and really you're gonna have to pray through this. Am I trying to go it alone? And the reason, I'm strug- is the reason I'm struggling with temptation because I'm the only one that knows about it. I don't want anybody to look at me differently. I don't want anybody, that's lust of the pride. I don't want anybody to think differently of me. I actually think this, that people will think more of you because you're courageous and said, I have a problem and I need help. Then if you were just sitting there going, I, I got this. But if you're trying to go it alone, then I'm going to ask you to do something for me. We have an email right now. It's an it's, it's email address. It's prayer at the fellowship.cc. It's become kind of a communication tool for us over these last several months. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to email this email address. It comes to our st- staff leadership team. It comes to Justin Letter, our lead teaching pastor, and we'll take it from there. But you just say, hey, here's my name. Or if you want to create a, an anonymous email address, however you want to do it. But you say, this is what I'm struggling with, and I need prayer and I need help, then you can reach out, we will pray with you, if, if you need help and you reach out, then we'll come alongside you, but we want to make sure that you don't have to spiritually go it alone. You also need to jump into a life group. I only get about 23 minutes, and I'm, or 25 minutes, and I've gone about 5 minutes over, so 30 minutes into a conversation that's probably several hours long. You need to get into a life group so that you can take the next step in this conversation. So I want to give you my email address, Scott Matthews, one T and Matthews, because we couldn't afford the second one, at thefellowship.cc. S-C-O-T-T-M-A-T-H-E-W-S, not on your screen, at thefellowship.cc. I want you to email me because I'd love to connect you with one of our life groups. Many are meeting on Zoom, they're meeting on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, Wednesdays. We got one that meets on Fridays. Be a part of this conversation and don't let this stop right here. But then also don't have to go it alone temptation is a dangerous deadly thing that leads to death but the word of truth jesus christ leads to eternal life which do you choose today to invest in something that creates an afterthought or invest in something that makes you a first fruit of creation let's pray father is my heart and my prayer that over the last several minutes that we have only encouraged people to leave the temptations at your feet this morning Father, we have come in with our situations and our temptations and our things that we're, that we're trying on our own. We're trying really hard to create external things to fix an internal, eternal problem. But God, today, let it be our declaration that that all ends, that we will stop trying to go it alone. We will stop trying to, to give in to temptation, and we will fight, but we will fight with the weapons that you give to us so that we can become first fruits of creation. God would you through the word of truth through your scriptures that you share with us through Jesus Christ who is the word God would you allow us to experience a new life in you bring hope as David wrote in his psalm would you search us today would you find anything that is not of not of you that is pulling us away from you that is enticing us away from your goodness God would you give us new life so that we can declare what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that anyone in Christ is a new creation. The temptation is gone. The old is gone. The lack of value is gone. And I am to walk new life. Father, this morning as we sing, as we think about your goodness, God, would you teach us even now that there's hope, there's promise, there's a chance. And some of us, that's all we need. We just need a chance. Because I know that when we place that in your hands, it makes eternal differences. So, Father, if there's someone here this morning that needs you, to needs your, your salvation, God, may today be the life-changing day that they've been seeking. And would you come in this moment and teach us through the power of the Holy Spirit, continuing to worship with us and prayerfully, that we are bringing you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.